0: Hello, everyone, welcome to another episode of Events Demystified podcast brought to you by Trifani Events with your host Anka.
1: Welcome to Events Demystified podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event, AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trifan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production.
0: Today I have the honor of being joined on the air by Megan Martin. She's an event strategist with advanced training and experience in strategic meeting management, event development, planning, virtual and hybrid events, educational programs and association management. She's an exceptional leader, relationship builder, a project manager who is creative, self motivated, organized and detail oriented that spends Uh, most of her free time with her rescue dogs Montana and Byron, while the rest of her spare time is spent either baking or maybe hiking, outdoors doing fun things. She's also a renowned home chef, I hear, which I would love to learn more about. But before we get to do any of that, I would say let's just welcome Megan in and have a conversation about events, hybrid events, especially when it comes to the economic impact of events that's something that I'm excited to get into so I'm going to welcome Megan in and get to our conversation welcome to the show Megan what an honor it is to have you here
2: I'm so blessed to be here thanks for having me today
0: well, it is my pleasure. And because we wanted to get into our conversation, I couldn't do that without asking you what is something that you just love to bake? Because I mean, it sounds like you've got that nail like cupcake connoisseur. Come on. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh. I think cupcakes are definitely my favorite. Uh, my specialty that I'm working through right now is turning all of my favorite alcoholic drinks into cupcakes. So like an Irish Carbomb or a Mimosa or Jack and Coke and turning them all into cupcake form.
0: Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I mean, I I don't know if I should drink my cupcake or not, but I mean, it sounds amazing. <laughs>
2: They're really good. I just mastered the ultimate chocolate chip cookie.
0: In a drink format?
2: No, an actual cookie. Oh,
0: okay, okay. I was like, oh, okay. My kids probably would just love that. I gotta tell you, you know, I'm kind of watching my carbs, so I can look at it, but I don't know if I should, you know, attempt (laughs) to... (laughs)
2: They're pretty dangerous, for sure.
0: They are, because you can't stop. One of those days recently where we stay away from like things that are like so tempting. And I think we just got some really yummy cupcakes, or maybe it was macaroons. I don't remember anymore. And before you know it, your hand just goes. And it's not just one. It's like a bunch. And before you're done with just saying macaroons, you're like, what happened?
2: (laughs) Oh, I could definitely eat an entire box of macarons in one sitting for sure. I mean, they're like potato chips.
0: I Honestly, I'm guilty of that. That's why I have to stay away from it. Like, out of sight, out of mind, no temptation. But here's one thing that I wanted to ask you, because I'm a firm believer that everyone should, you know, believe in something and be passionate about one thing or many things. What is one thing that you're most passionate about, you know, besides baking and being, you know, an outdoor enthusiast? I'm just curious, what is something that lights your soul on
2: fire when you start talking about? Well, certainly events. I love hybrid events and designing events and all things like citywide conferences certainly is a big passion of mine. I could talk about endlessly. Um, National parks and nature are something that I'm also really passionate about. I even moved a few months ago to a state that is more nature-centric so that I can do all things nature, hiking, kayaking, skiing, snowboarding, all the things all the time. Time. So probably two things. And honestly, just being at home and cooking. I love trying new recipes and exploring with different ingredients and really just getting inventive in the kitchen is probably something else I really love.
0: We were just talking about how you moved to a beautiful state that happens to have the Glacier National Park part mm-hmm. of the centerpiece. We've been there yeah. hiking just a year ago, I believe. And you just can't leave from that place without being changed in one way or another. So I'm a really little jealous that you're so close to that. And probably you we could talk an entire episode about all the amazing places that you could visit while there. Sure. Probably this is not the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of talking about, you know, outdoors, hiking, camping, backpacking, and all the things and glaciers, how about we segue into maybe to start us off? best practices for a successful hybrid event, especially as it relates to the economic impact that events tend to have. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Sure. So I think when starting to think about hybrid events, it's no different than thinking about how we design in-person events exclusively. It's really about your why and going back to why you're doing something because then every decision you make in designing that kind of experience, whether in-person or digital or maybe both, you can justify it because of your why. This is why we're doing it. This is why we're bringing people together. This is the purpose of our mission of what we're going to do. So I always really encourage planners or really anybody to take a step back and not just say, well, we do this event because we've always done it. Well, why do you do it? Why do you reach the people that you do? Why do you market the way that you do? And really start thinking about it. And I think the other piece with sort of hybrid now is we're talking about designing two different experiences. But to me, they're equal. You know, I feel like the digital and online participants sort of get shorthanded and experienced because it's too much to think about it. And so many planners are trying to do it simultaneously. And it doesn't have hybrid doesn't mean at the same time, it just means engaging in two different ways that could be post or pre simultaneous, you know, hybrid means something different to everybody. So when you really step back and say, this is why we're doing it, then that can start answering some of the questions around how and why you're designing a hybrid event. Do
0: you think that it's going to take a while? for the event industry to get On with a program that
2: hybrid does not
0: mean at the
2: same time? I think so, because I think that's sort of what we've always thought about hybrid and why so many people didn't get into it so much before the pandemic, because there was this perception that hybrid meant simultaneously streaming every single session you had at a convention center. And the cost for that is astronomical. The technology wasn't really there yet. And there were all these roadblocks to why people weren't engaging that way. And so I think now we have to go into a space and we have to think again or relearn and reeducate ourselves about what hybrid means because that model doesn't fit for everybody and nor should it. I was watching the movie The Interview again a couple of weeks ago and there's one line in there that is one of my favorites that really applies to this. And when I think of hybrid, I think of same same but different, right? It's the same content, but maybe you're consuming it in a different way and it doesn't mean one is better than the other, it's now my preference of how I choose to engage with you, how I choose to approach your content, and I can consume it in my time and how I want to do it. So I think it's just a matter of relearning and re-educating because hybrid meant one thing for so long, and it doesn't have to mean that.
0: Absolutely. Now, I love that you also touched a little bit on this unified event experience that takes a little bit of thought, process and a little bit of design in talking about hybrid events. Maybe let's dial into what should be some of the production tasks or pre-production event tasks that must be performed by a hybrid event provider in order to design this unified event experience or some of the tasks that even an event planner needs to take in order to have the outcome be a unified event experience?
2: Yeah, I think a couple of things is thinking about those connecting bridges. So I had a planner recently say to me that, you know, I I work for Juno. And one thing Juno is really good at is bringing the virtual audience into the in person audience. And that's not something we hear a lot about. And so when you're sitting back and thinking about producing a hybrid event or simultaneous hybrid event, you have to think about those connection points at what point in the schedule and what point in those experiences experiences, will virtual and in-person meeting at the same time, and what does the technology look like to make those connections happen? Is that an app? Is it one platform? whether you're online or at home, you're using the same chat, same Q&A, same everything. Are we embedding stream from people at home, joining digitally into the in-person experience and vice versa? I think we've gotten so much talking about in-person to digital and not so much digital to in-person. So some of those things I think about, and then more than anything with it, it's testing and testing and retesting. Like I try to break everything on my platform. The weeks leading up to the event so that we can test and retest and make sure that the technology is good. Because the first barrier to someone actually engaging with your hybrid event is if they can't access it, they're just going to log off and say, forget about it. And so I try to break everything and test and test and retest to make sure that the technology is there so that then we can focus on the experience for the attendees. Absolutely. I
0: think uh, that's a fun job to have to break things in order to see if they were actually will yeah. <laughs> The way it's supposed to during a yeah. heavy event that might have different streams, multiple streams, and a lot of the virtual audience logging in all at the same time. Because usually it's like rush hour when that happens. Mm-hmm. That's where you know for sure that you've done all your pre-event checks and all the testing that you just mentioned. Now, in an attempt to stay fresh and think outside the box in a creative and innovative way, who do you look for as far as guidance when it comes to planning? hybrid defense.
2: I'm certainly PCMA. I am super fangirl of PCMA. They're <laughs> usually always my first stop because in the reason I stay a member of theirs and go and engage with them as much as I do is because they do think outside of the box. You know, they have always been two or three steps ahead of me as far as what technology is out there, the future of it, doing consumer reporting essentially of like, this is how users are engaging. This is what your members are going. To ask you for. And so I've really looked to them for a, a number of years now to sort of be that guiding light of like, they see around the corner and prep me so that by the time I catch up to them, they're already around the next corner.
0: That's awesome. Do you have a local chapter
2: now in the new place that you moved to? I think I'm part of Pacific Northwest chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really engaged. I lived in Atlanta for a while. And so I was really engaged and volunteered with the Southeast chapter for a while. I am still very active with the Rocky Mountain chapter from when I was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually past president of Rocky Mountain chapter I was president in 2020 of that group. And yeah, so I try to stay as engaged. And now I'm thankfully blessed with working with Juno. We have a huge partnership with PCMA. And so I get to work with all all the chapters now. So that's really exciting time for me that I can kind of help a lot of different planners within the PCMA community sort of realize the, their potential in their events. That's awesome. Here's one thing that I have a question
0: for you, actually. I'm wondering if you have any tips for event planners, especially since you're working with a good number of them now that possibly have this barrier where their client insists that they want to host a hybrid event, but just don't have the budget for for a solid hybrid production? Should they maybe just postpone their event until they do, or should they attempt doing it themselves in the capacity and the capability they've got?
2: Well, I think it then just first question would be like, why are you doing this event in the first place? Why are you talking about wanting to make it hybrid and then sort of building off of the answers of that? I would certainly say, no, don't cancel the event, but maybe let's think about hybrid a little differently. Maybe you capture all the sessions that go on at your event and then you're building courses or tracks that people can consume after the meeting's over or maybe you have a huge keynote speaker at your in-person program Maybe you then do a private one-on-one meet and greet with some of the hybrid or digital attendees, or maybe there's a separate chat just with that main stage speaker after the program. So it's really just extending the life of that if cost is a barrier to doing it simultaneously. You know, there are a lot of different ways to think about hybrid that can really extend the life of that content that we spend so much money on producing for events. Let's repurpose all of those questions and content and speeches that and speakers, I mean, they're not cheap either. And so how do you sort of get the most out of that? And that's where hybrid really can extend that life and get you more ROI from the content costs that you're putting into those events. And maybe you get creative with it and host post-conference events instead of pre-conference events. And those are online, or maybe you do some pre-meetups with different chapters or regions, and then they can meet in person at the program. You know, there's really, it's the beauty of the space we're in right now where there's no rules. There's no group saying like, this is how hybrid works because it works differently for all of us. And so that's what has me excited because there really are no rules. So let's sit down. There's a blank wall and just start getting inventive and creative with what hybrid, hybrid means for you and solving your why. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a
0: quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifun Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual and hybrid events. The team at Trifun Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. And out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event, become memorable. Go to TrifunEvents.com. Do you see the hybrid experience moving more into this metaverse reality of events for not just conferences, but even like association events or maybe galas or one-time events that are not necessarily spanning over multiple days?
2: I think there's going to be a balance. I think, especially right now in the middle of the pandemic, we realize we need that human connection. And as great as virtual reality is, and even the hologram speakers and all of that. They're really cool. At the end of the day, I can't hug a virtual attendee. I want to shake hands. I want to see my people. That's why I go to the events. I go to PC main events all the time because I'm a super fan and I want to see my community. Those are my people. And I just can't do that online all the time. Now there's a time and place for that for sure. But I think there's going to be a balance of people who want that immersive virtual experience, but then there's still going to be a huge cohort of people that want to be in person with other people. And there's a lot of data showing that like the next generations of, you know, people coming into the industry or any industry working really are going to want to be in person, they can get their education online, but they still want to meet face to face, and there's value in that. So I think it's going to be a balance. I think we're going to struggle is not the right word. But I think it's going to be a tipping scale for a little bit until we find that next iteration of technology and in person when it comes to virtual reality.
0: Yeah, probably the younger generation, the younger generation of event planners and event professionals that are coming in, they might actually feel way more comfortable with this idea of VR and metaverse, because there's a little bit of uh, anxiety attached to like meeting in person, yeah. especially after a long time of doing virtual meetings and all those Zoom meetings that we complain so much about. But, you know, at least there is a little bit of a sense of control over, okay, I don't have to get out of my comfort zone. I'll just have this meeting. But if it doesn't work, I can always end it. You know, I don't have to try to disappear or come up with an excuse why I'm not longer interested.
2: Well, you have <laughs> a great online experience, right? So maybe the first year they're engaging with your organization, they're joining virtually in a virtual reality type of setting or on a digital offering of it. And then they make a couple connections and they make some new friends. And then the next year they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go in person because now I know what to expect. I know the content. I know the people. I have a couple friends now that I know are going to be there. So it doesn't seem as scary. So I think that right there is the reason there should always be some kind of digital component because yeah, they might join you digitally in year one, but then they become super fans mm-hmm. because they loved what they saw. And so they're going to invest more and come in person in years two, three, four, five, 10, 12. You're building that that super fandom in the digital space first absolutely now
0: when it comes to hybrid events there's also a lot of stories horror stories of things going wrong do you have any horror story that is worth
2: sharing i'm trying to think i think i'm pretty fortunate i haven't had anything too crazy i've had some speakers fall asleep in the middle of sessions so i used to work what in they presenting yeah, it yeah so it was a panel discussion <laughs> and it's an international conference. So he was joining from Europe and I think it was like nine or 10 o'clock his time when we were producing and he was a panelist. He was actually moderating this session. And at <laughs> one point was like talking to his wife off camera, fell asleep for like 10 minutes and I was like chatting him the whole time. Like, please wake up, you're still on camera. I think that's probably the craziest thing that's happened to me. I Thankfully have never had like a Zoom bomber or like anything crazy happen. In my shows that I was producing, that is so funny. I uh, <laughs> I feel a little
0: bad for. <laughs> Poor MC polygon sleep, especially if you're in a completely different time zone. That's just funny. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, but that's the hardest part of producing virtual conferences. Is like in a session room, I could have like you know tapped his foot or like waved my hands bigger. Here's another cup of like, coffee. Like, yeah, warm <laughs> up with some coffee or something. But like virtually, I can't do anything beyond chatting, texting, calling from the back end. Doing any I can digitally to nudge him to wake up. So there's just some things out of your control, which for a meeting planner, that is sometimes hard (laughs) to process because I think most of us are control freaks.
0: Oh, absolutely. 100%. Now, if you were to give just one tip to anyone that is listening or one piece of advice, tip, trick, whatever you want to call it, what would that be? Or if you were even to think of yourself a few years back, what would be one thing that you'd have liked to know? As you were coming into this industry that would have been so helpful
2: to you? I think one of the things and I preach this when I was teaching university is the industry is really that small and a lot of people know each other. And so not burning a bridge is really important when you're coming new into the industry, because you have no idea when that person might be your boss interviewing you, your client, a customer, a potential colleague. The industry of events is so incestuous with how we all share. And there's a lot of new people coming to the industry, a lot of people moving around. I, in the middle of pandemic, left planning and went to the supplier side of things. And, you know, I'm reconnecting with people I haven't engaged with in a decade. And thank God I didn't burn those bridges. And they're excited to hear from me because... Because I can't imagine how much harder my job would be engaging in these conversations with people that were like, no, you were a jerk to me 10 years ago. I'm definitely not going to talk to you now. You know, now you need me. So I'm not going to engage. So I would say that's probably my biggest piece of advice is always trying to keep your cool. And even if you're, pedaling like crazy under the water, just being cool cucumber on top, and really nurturing those relationships, because in the long run of your career, they're going to come in handy.
0: I love that I am of the same sentiment as much as it stays in my power. I mean, there's also situations in which, you know, for sure, well, there's one, whatever vendor supplier client that I would like not to,
2: you know, work with ever again. For sure. I have (laughs) a few. I've burned one bridge in my entire career and it was worth it. (laughs) And we still see each other and it's respectful, but we know that we're not each other's people and that's yeah and that's okay exactly thank you so much for sharing all those tips
0: and the one piece of advice that I agree it's golden it's something that not just people coming into industry beginners should keep in mind but also veterans because Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we need to know and be reminded of that as well because we've been around for a while and it's easy to forget that relationships do take work it's important to put time where it's Needed. As far as what our audience is concerned, where can they connect with you and learn more about what you do, what, especially what Juno's up to?
2: Yeah, for sure. So LinkedIn's probably my most active outreach. So definitely come find me on LinkedIn, Megan Martin CMP. I do have a website, but that's mainly just a digital website that or resume, I don't really engage a whole lot on there. I pretty much post all my stuff on LinkedIn. And I do have an Instagram account just to highlight some of the fun events and different things that I've been working on and engaging with. So you can find me at meetings, Megan on Instagram. Well, talking about fun events,
0: I can't let you go before you tell me one of the funnest events you've ever maybe produced or
2: attended. Oh, man. So many good ones over the years. <laughs> I have to really think about that.
0: Well, let's just think about maybe the during the pandemic part.
2: Okay, during because
0: it's pandemic, more fresh, I guess, in the memory.
2: Got yeah. it. So, I think probably my favorite event during the pandemic. I was working as a meeting planner with Ring Central, and we produced the very first developer conference for Ring Central, and it was a huge success. We did a lot of it in house with our own talents and recorded like a digital brewery tour with Blue Moon Brewery in Denver. We just did a lot of really creative inventive things and it was just fun of being part of a process from start to finish of creating that three-day conference from scratch, the first time ever. When I say a cross-functional team, and we had marketing people on there, developers, our C-suite executives, plus the events team. I mean, it was a true effort across a lot of different segments of the company, and it was probably one of the highlights of my career getting to produce that and we had such a great team but I've seen worked with a number of really great speakers and I'm just glad to be back in live events again because some of those experiences are just really cool that we get to go to
0: well it was so good to have you on Megan I'm so glad that we connected by the way if anybody is curious we met in person at IMAX and this is where having that maybe virtual connection first and then meeting in person is really a highlight for me that was definitely a highlight of my time there because I knew of some of the people I knew some of the people just virtually but then meeting in person was fantastic and I'm so glad that we connected so we got to do this I wish you a fantastic rest of your day thank you for your time here and I look forward to staying in touch on LinkedIn
2: (laughs) yeah no thanks for having me and I too you know it was so great to meet you in person at IMAX you know we've exchanged messages and we're following each other on all platforms. And then to finally, you know, meet in real life was fun. And there were a number of people that I got to do that with. And so it's the beauty of digital and hybrid and all the things we're doing. And, you know, community and connection doesn't have to be bound by geography anymore. It was such a pleasure being here today and extending our connection from IMAC.
0: Likewise, I love that we got to meet in person. And now virtual again is like the whole circle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no,
2: we'll have to go hiking in real life next
0: time. I will love that I'll take you up on like when we're you know in the beautiful glaciers that you're staring at every single day (laughs) we will be for sure connecting I
2: can't (laughs) wait it'll be fun
0: okay friends well this was it for today's episode thank you so much for your loyalty to this podcast wherever you're tuning in from it's such a pleasure to know that we get to do this together and all the fantastic feature guests that join me on the air bring so much value and add To your knowledge, please take a short moment to review this podcast if you enjoy it, just to make it more visible to even more event professionals like yourself. Tag us. If you do that, you will be automatically entered to win one of the cool podcast hats, which I would normally demo, but I just did my hair today and didn't work out. But I will personally mail that to you. As always, I welcome your feedback. Keep that coming either on Instagram or via WhatsApp, and you will find all those links in the episode notes. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time.
1: Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.